Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm too lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. To the lowest valley, and it's never met a sin that it couldn't cover. It's never met a disease that it couldn't heal. Hallelujah, it will never lose its power. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Oh, we thank you for the blood, Lord. Hallelujah, one more time, let's give God a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood that gives us strength. Hallelujah, the blood that gives us power. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. Amen. We're thankful tonight to have our bishop, amen, and his wife. I know a lot of times my mom likes to be behind the scenes. She'd probably rather kind of just be there not be noticed but I know that without her my dad wouldn't be have been able to do what he's done this church wouldn't be where it is and so I also want to say I'm thankful for her and I'm glad she's healing up it's been about four months five months since she took a bad fall and had a really bad break in her leg but she's healing and I'm thankful for that I think Sunday night when we were there in service with them she walked a good ways across the front without any help, so we're thankful that she's doing better. Amen. We're glad to have them, Dad. Why don't you come take your liberty? We're glad you're here. Love you. Love you. I noticed they left a few dollars on the podium for me. <laughs> That's like, make it short. <laughs> I'm honored to be here with you all. Why don't, why don't you go ahead and be seated? And yeah, just stay and keep playing that music, brother. That's good. Mood music. Uh, I really am honored to be here. And there's so many things that, um, you know, you think of, I think of, I want to say, I, I want to thank this, your pastor and his family and this church for coming to D.C. on uh, this past Sunday with uh, that preacher, oh my, Matt Tuttle, wow. And it wasn't just the preacher, though. It was the worship, the singing, the uplifting of the Spirit. Uh, we've, uh, we've struggled to keep everybody together. And we have, like, moved from one location to another to another over the past year. Um, like my son, <laughs> man, this past year, what a challenge. But I'm grateful that uh, you came, and what a blessing to us you were. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. And, uh, my, what a preacher Brother Tuttle is. Whew, son. We need to have him come back for like a week only. We'd be ready to be raptured. Like, it was incredible. So, uh, and then I say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad my wife is able to once again travel with me. Um, even this may like a short distance, but, um, you know, for a few months, uh, we spent a lot of time. in our little apartment just wondering what the future would hold and when we prayed and we believed God but boy it sure takes him uh, you know just uh, you just gotta keep moving forward and uh, I've, I've enjoyed can't even that's not probably even the right word doesn't do it justice uh, your services have been a tremendous uplift to me on, at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings I'm watching I think some of the guys that are usually here on this front row aren't here tonight it's amazing watching this church grow you may not realize it from where you're sitting but from where I sit <laughs> looking over the screen 
oh, the place is growing. And the presence of God, here's what I found out about the presence of God. I've heard people say, well, you can't feel it. Well, you can if you can connect. You know, and when I watch this church and I see you and I say, oh, there's Dad, Mom, Scriber. And, and I, see, I see you all in, at one point or another through a service or maybe multiple services. But my, it, what a tremendous lift to uh, my spirit has been. And I'll just tell you this, the presence of God that is in this place and moving through this community, through you, um, I think it's when you're there in that moment, you don't realize it. I think you, you want, and we always would, should want more. But I promise you, what you have here is very special. I've traveled I've been in some different places, and I'm just going to tell you it's very special what you have here. And Pastor talked about taking advantage of this. Well, you shouldn't let a moment pass. You, I, and I'll tell you something else. You, I know I've been extreme over my life, <laughs> in my lifetime of experiences. I've had people try to sleep on me in church, and I throw firecrackers under their chairs. So <laughs> somebody here will remember that. But... Uh, don't worry, I didn't bring any firecrackers tonight. But church is not the place to go to sleep. And you have to stir your own spirit. That's what the scripture tells us. You must stir yourself up in the presence of God. Amen. And, and then I saw John Owen, Rachel come in. They, I think they met in my living room. <laughs> So I just, and I hear you preaching now, Jono. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, and and uh, Rachel, what a blessing she was to us to come. I don't know if you all know it or not, but she plays keyboard. And she would come every Sunday, every Saturday, drive that whatever two hours. We'd give her what, a little, little bit of gas money. I'm sure it didn't even really cover her expenses. And she would come and play the keyboard so we could have music and worship. And God added to the church, and those were very special times for us. And I can't thank you enough. Thank you. And I'm glad you're here. I didn't realize you were driving all the way from Michigan just to hear me preach, but I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. A week or so ago, I was asked to speak at the launch meeting, the last service. It was, you know, saved me all the way for the last, right? And my, it was busy, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, just class after class. And then on Friday afternoon, David McGovern did a, a, a tremendous job, and the Spirit of the Lord just swept through that place, and people worshiped. And, and I went to Brother um, Sistrunk, and I said, you know, you could just do that commissioning right now. The presence of God is here. And he said, no, no, they need to hear you. So when we got that night to the service and of course brother bernard spoke that afternoon and brother bernard and sister, brother and sister bernard were sitting on the front row and uh, before we left um some of our people asked him to pray because brother bernard and i were going to be in the same setting and somebody said um somebody said uh, brother bernard better pray he don't have to follow you so i just told him that uh, they got a good, they got a good, a good sense of humor. They kind of laughed about it. We all did, but, uh, but uh, it's like here tonight. I have to follow my son, and my son. I, I love. We love all of our children, and the work that they're doing in the kingdom of God. Different personalities, different styles, and you know, in spite of our humanity. I think of my wife and I and our struggles in life. And in spite of our humanity, God uses us to perform his work. But I promise you, one of my favorite preachers is my son, Jason. And to follow you tonight is like, I will never forget, right, the map. That was so awesome. So, anyway, I've said a lot of things. Many faces I see here tonight. So, good to see you.
again. God bless you. New faces, I'm glad to meet you. God bless you. And I pray that what I feel in my heart to preach, you know, it's kind of unusual for me to preach because so much, so much now I go and they want me to preach about soul winning. They want me to, uh, matter of fact, that's what they call me. Will you come and preach soul winning? And uh, so I go and soul winning. <laughs> I'm kidding. Y'all just keep chuckling. But, um, and then through the last year, I've had a number of my friends uh, that are about my age pass away. Pastors, some from COVID, some from heart attacks. One died yesterday of a heart attack. Missionary uh, David Doan uh, in Japan had a heart attack and died. And just sometimes I, you know, I, I can't figure I'm not, I'm not criticizing God. I'm not criticizing. But sometimes I can't figure God out. I think there's other people I might keep around for a while. But, but whatever the case, it's his choice. And our times are in his hands. And we trust him. He, my times are in his hands. Whatever he decides. And your times are in his hands. I was thinking, I have a good friend, John Wolfram, who he still, he has been in isolation for a year. I hope he's watching tonight. He is a, a great, he's been a missionary to Vietnam. Much of it really on his own. He uh, has a history. Of course, he was in Vietnam in the service. and um, We went to Bible school together. Very dedicated, very consecrated. His life just given over to the work of God. He went back to Vietnam. I don't know how many times he's gone back. He built a Bible school there in Vietnam. And now the apostolic message is growing just by leaps and bounds in Vietnam. And uh, he texts me. <laughs> he he texts me last night about Brother Doan. We just... You know, warriors, labors, we need labors. That's kind of been my my thrust even recently is, look, I don't know whether you all realize, realize it or not. You may have been, you may even right now be content to just come to church. You know, in a crowd this size, there's undoubtedly someone who can only cannot see beyond yourself where you are. But I promise you the greatest harvest the church has ever seen is right upon us. I, they're going to come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And I appeal to everyone. I appeal to you if you are a brand new Christian. I appeal to you, old timer. I appeal to you, young people, senior citizens alike. I appeal to you, let the Spirit of God move you into places where you can be used because the harvest the harvest is coming. The harvest is coming. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. They're going to come. You may meet them on the job. They're going to get the Holy Ghost all over the world. I know I'm telling you, I haven't always been this so uh, emphatic about it, but I am today like never before. You need to be ready. If you have the Holy Spirit within you, it is God's plan to use you. He doesn't put His Spirit within you for you just to, hello, find a seat somewhere and wait on Jesus to come. He puts His Spirit within you to make you more than you were when you walked through the door. So, I mentioned John Wolfram because sometime back he came to D.C. and he preached for us. And the title of his message was The Saddest Scripture in the Bible. I want to read it to you. It's from Psalms 142. I believe it's verse 4. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that wouldn't know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. What a thought. 
The saddest scripture in the Bible, no man cared for my soul. And from those thoughts over the past, especially the past year, much of my preaching, what little opportunity I've had recently to go out, has been really focused upon the harvest. The harvest, can you care for a soul? Can you get your eyes off of yourself? Your greatest enemy is not the devil. The devil is a defeated foe. Your greatest enemy is yourself. Your greatest enemy is selfishness. I'm not trying to be mean when I tell you that. I am, I, but I don't know how I could preach it any harder. Find yourself a place to pray until you can pray over yourself. Till you can break through your own self and let the Spirit of God flow through you. Amen. That's all free. I'm going to preach, all right? I mean, I don't take that much, that I don't have that much opportunity to preach these days, so I'm taking advantage on one night, okay? Isaiah 53. It's actually only 12 verses long, but I'm not going to try and read all 12 verses. I'm going to read the first five verses. Although all 12 verses are really powerful. And it's applicable for today, especially today. Okay? Today, because it's James' birthday. No, 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 no. No, no, no. <laughs> Today, because it is called Good Friday. All right? Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now, I want you to notice, if you'll listen closely to the word, you'll get a revelation here. For he shall grow up. Wait a minute. It's talking about the arm of the Lord. It says, who is... He said, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And I want you to quote this last phrase with me. And with his stripes, we are healed. And I'm going to preach a healing message. All right? So if you have a sickness in your body, if you have a sickness in your mind, I want you to close your eyes right now. And if you know someone, maybe they're not here, I want you to close your eyes so that's about everybody, right? I want you to raise your hand with me. And I want you to pray a prayer of faith with me. Now, Lord, even as your word goes forth tonight, let the promise of Isaiah 53 be fulfilled. Let every sickness in this room be rebuked by the power of the name of Jesus. Let every disease be rebuked by the power of the name of Jesus. Let every spirit of infirmity be bound and rebuked by the power of the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, receive your healing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know that I've ever specifically spoke of a message the way I felt about this one tonight. I'm very, 
I can't tell you how honored I am to come and be a part of this service tonight and uh, and feel moved by the Spirit. My wife can tell you I insisted on coming and being here. I was up early, very early this morning, getting ready because I was already in my mind preparing to be in this service. And uh, so I'm going to start. I have found it helps if I read some of my notes rather than just do what I normally do, which is run the aisles and lay hands on everybody. Uh, not that I won't do that before we're done. But I want to talk to us. I'm going to entitle this message, The Longest Friday. The Friday that Jesus purchased your healing. Yes, yes. It is about remembering. It's about me being able to gain entrance into your thoughts and causing you to remember not just anything, but to remember and recognize the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and somehow penetrating into your heart to believe that because of his death, because of his sacrifice, all that we need was purchased. Everything that we have need of was purchased at Calvary. We need to remember the cross. Yes. So it was actually a time of eight days. Last Sunday, being Palm Sunday, was uh, the entire Passion Week is actually numbers eight days. And uh, Palm Sunday was, I'm sure you heard, was a time of victory. Uh, the palm branches were waved, and uh, I think there's symbolism in that, that it, is a, it was a time of praise, because everything God does is, it begins with praise. It's like, if you want God into your situation, stop complaining and start praising. It's, he inhabits the praise of his people, so we praise him. We praise him in the good times and the bad times. And so he gave us a personal illustration. It was going to be the last week of his life on earth. And he started it with this symbolism of praise, of victory. What the rest of the world, what all the demonic world was going to think was defeat he was making a declaration. It was not defeat. It was victory. <laughs> Thursday night of that week, I'm sure there were other important incidents. Don't misunderstand me. But for the focus of my preaching tonight, I'm going to start Thursday night is referred to as the Last Supper. It's where the disciples and Jesus met and they uh, took uh, dinner together. And of course, it also kind of ended on a, a kind of a, a bad note, a, a sad note. One of the 12 uh, at the table, Jesus said, "If what you're going to do, do quickly. And, and so it was, we know, we've read the story. We know that Judas... Judas went out because he had already made a determination that he was going to sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. But, um, and he went. But when he went, Jesus then took the other 11 and went to a place to pray. And the scripture tells us that when uh, Jesus came into the garden, there came Judas, right? Um, and... Uh, he gave Jesus a kiss, and it was a sign of betrayal. Well, I'm gonna, I, I want to try and just break down, not lengthy tonight, but 
when you look at how this day, the things that took place in one day's time, one man, you would have surely thought this must have really been some criminal. He must have been the worst man to ever walk the face of the earth. It started early that day, 4 to 6 a.m. is what they say. It was that Jesus was brought in and taken to Annas and then to Caiaphas for trial. And uh, they then sent him, and from 6 to 8 a.m., this long process of another trial. Jesus was taken before Pilate and Herod and then back to Pilate. And, of course, much is involved in these stories, how that Pilate's wife had a dream and tried to persuade Pilate don't have anything to do with this man. I've had a dream. It's you, you don't want to do any harm to this man. But Pilate, he thought he was doing a good thing, I think. I think when he said uh, you could choose between Barabbas, who undoubtedly was uh, a worse a criminal, was an a unbelievable criminal, um, perverted and, and murderer, and, and yet... Pilate probably thought, well, these people got, you know, some solid thinking. Surely they're not going to choose Barabbas. But he didn't understand humanity. Sin never makes, hello? Sin never makes the choices that you think it's going to make. And it's within every one of us to make a choice we shouldn't make. So it was then that uh, at 8 o'clock... Pilate, it is said, this is where he sentenced Jesus to be crucified. From 8 to 8.30, Jesus carries his cross with the help of Simon of Cyrene. To, he carried the cross to Golgotha. Now, there's, again, details that are important. How that he was beaten with 39 stripes. There was a law that they could not beat them with 40 stripes because that would kill them. And they, weren't want, they didn't want to kill him. They wanted to beat him. They beat him beyond recognition as a man. And this, this is, you, you got to go back to Isaiah 53. Why would Jesus, why would God allow this to happen to the very body that God had formed to live in? Why would God allow this to happen? It's because there's a world that was in sin and there could be no freedom from the sin unless the price was paid by the God-man. It's like, how do I know you can be healed? Because Isaiah said, with his stripes, we are healed. I'm not going to base it on how I feel. I'm going to stand upon God's word. At 9 a.m., the third hour, the clothing of Jesus was stripped from him and divided among them. He is placed on the cross, hanging there between two thieves. And the scripture says the only words that Jesus really uttered, very few words, but when he did, there were prayers that he prayed. Now, I didn't go into all the detail. But he prayed. He understood. Jesus had the mind of God. And he understood. This is the price that must be paid. Isaiah prophesied it. Now it must be fulfilled. In order for there to be salvation. In order for there to be healing. In order for the prophecies to be fulfilled. Jesus as the Lamb of God. Had to give his life. I was reading. I. I thought, well, I'll just take some notes from, you can find it online, doctors who have given witness to the price that was paid, the excruciating pain that Jesus went through, the humiliation, and that's varying degrees, you know. When they stripped him naked and hung him on that cross, how do you think his mother felt as she stood at the foot of that cross? 
How do you think his disciples who began to scatter because this was the one they had followed and probably they feared that their very own lives would be taken too. And to my knowledge, only the women, only the women in John stayed close to the cross. And, and as they watched, could you, you got to allow your mind and your spirit to take in the cross. That's what this is all about. What saves us, Paul said, he said, it's the crucifixion. We preach Christ unto you, Christ crucified. We're not just preaching Jesus, a hero. We're preaching Christ who was crucified to save us from our sins. Pastor said it earlier, there is no sin. There is no sin that the blood cannot cover. In order for that blood to become effective, it had to be poured out. You know, you stop. That blood was in the body of that man who, my, in the three and a half years of his ministry, he did nothing but good. Nothing but good. He healed people. He raised uh, children from the dead. He stopped the funeral procession and raised that widow woman's son from the dead. I, I mean, only good. It doesn't seem logical that people would be so intent on crucifying this innocent man. But you see, it was in God's plan. It was in God's purpose. There would be no possibility of salvation without the blood. There would be no possibility of healing without the stripes. Every one of the stripes, somebody once said, there are 39 major diseases. No matter how it comes and goes and they create new ones, there are 39 major diseases. One for one stripe for every sickness, every disease there is. That's because Jesus saw it back at Calvary. I'll take the stripe so you can be healed. I'll take the stripe so you can be healed. Diabetes, no match for the blood. I, I have just this little time. I must, some, I must persuade you because we have lived in a world of unbelief and we battle every day in a world of doubt and we struggle with our own flesh that's in this world and it, it looks like things are impossible. And so the preacher, because that's what God chose, the foolishness of preaching, not that it was foolish, but that the world would think it's foolish. But there's something about anointed preaching that has the ability to convince the mind of the power of God. God can heal your body. I am convinced that just like the early church, when you read 28 chapters of Acts, almost on every page, a miracle takes place. Angels show up. Well, I'm convinced, according to Joel, the latter days are going to be greater than the former days. And if we think we have seen something to this point, we ain't seen nothing yet. You're going to see God Heal the sick. You're going to see God raise the dead. But let me tell you, it has to go. Be, it has to somehow be, get beyond all of the doubts and all the unbeliefs and all the struggles of this life. And we must embrace the word of God. We must embrace. This is what Jesus died for. He was wounded for my transgressions. First, you notice he starts with the spiritual. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. That's the inside, how you're scarred from the sins of your past. But he was wounded. I have no doubt. 
I can stand before you today and tell you these almost 50 years, Jesus lifted me out of the miry clay. He changed my life and set me on a straight path. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When others, certainly, and I understand in my life, but others thought, well, he'll just go back to being what he was. And uh, I said, well, just wait. So they're still waiting. I'm not going back. Because the blood of Jesus, because the power of the Spirit of God is greater he will lift you. I don't care what your sins have been. He will lift you out of your sin. He'll fill you with his spirit. I mean, that's what the cross is all about. That's what that, that's, that longest Friday was about him paying the price for your sin and your salvation. My Lord, it's what he did on that long Friday. You know, I was looking up trying to find, why do you call it Good Friday? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, I don't know. Jesus probably didn't say, it's Good Friday. Hello? <laughs> the morning started off pretty bad. <laughs> Betrayed by a friend. You know, he was trying to illustrate to us all, there's nothing that you can experience in life that he cannot relate with. He's been betrayed. He's been rejected. He's been spit upon. He's been cursed. He's been sold. Everything you could possibly experience, Jesus relates with you. When you come to the foot of the cross, that's what the altar is. When you come to the foot of, cross, uh, of the cross and you kneel before God and you ask forgiveness of your sins, I promise you there is no sin. There is no sin that will cause him to reject you. He just says, come and confess it all. Come and confess. If we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So I was reading. Why could... Why do they call it Good Friday? Because the more I read about what Jesus went through, all four gospel writers, some of them in more detail, write it, uh, the pain that he suffered and, my, the rejection. But I found that in uh, several different languages, the word for good is translated long, the long Friday. And I thought, I think that's probably what Jesus thought. It's sure going to be one long day. <laughs> no, don't you think so? I mean, I think it's, it's going to be one long day here. Finally, as it, now, and just quickly, I'm not going to keep you much longer. From 11 to 12, well, let's go back 9.30 to 11. The soldiers watch over the crucifixion and mock Jesus. Said he can't save himself. He said he was a savior. He came and saved himself. If you're, if you're really the son of God, come down off of that cross. From 11 to 12, Jesus speaks from the cross to the thieves. And also, I'm not going to focus on the thieves, but I want to take it more personal. He also looked down, and there was Mary, his mother, and John. And he says, woman, behold your son. And son, you behold your mother. He was making, even in those last hours of great pain and suffering, surely looking in the eyes of his mother and seeing the hurt that she must have felt. He tried to just say to her, mom, I haven't forgotten you. I, I remember what you did for me. Mom, here's your son. And John, you've always been the disciple of love. John, let that love that you have now be given to 
mom. To me, I don't know, that's very touching to me. I had a man call me, uh, I don't know, yesterday, day before. I haven't talked to him in several years. He called me and he said, uh, just wanted to chat with me. I said, well, you know, I asked him how he was doing, doing pretty good. He said, I had something on my heart last week I wanted to talk to you about. I said, what's that? He said, when I was about 16 years old, I, you invited me to come and spend some time with your family. And uh, you, you, and you made a way for me to go to camp meeting with your kids. And uh, we were at this camp meeting. I don't recall it. A lot of different camp meetings. But he said uh, the preacher was preaching that night on family. And he said, at that time, he said, my family... My parents were a mess. My brothers and sisters were a mess. He said, and there I was all alone. He said, you had your family around you, and you saw me, and you called me over and said, come and be a part of our family. He said, I've never forgot that. And he said, it was a turning point in my life. Now, I'm, I, I use that as an illustration. I never, never thought a lot about it, you know, just, but he did. It changed his life. And I'm going to say this, in the family of God, there's such a need, especially in the hour we're living in, for the love of God to not be just words. This is not just about, you know, fancy words from the old black book. It's a reality. People need to be loved and embraced. When they come in, they've had so many broken things happen in their lives, in their families. When they come into the church, and I understand in some ways, I guess it can be kind of risky. Hello? But you're going to have to trust Jesus in this. You're going to have to love people into the kingdom. I'm, now, I know I'm taking a little different turn here, but that's what the cross is all about, right? For God so loved the whole world that he gave. That's what the cross is all about. He gave. When I wasn't lovable, I promise you, when I wasn't lovable, he came and loved me. It's been more, my whole ministry has been about, my whole life has been about, is that he loved me. He loved me when I wasn't lovable. And I promise you, when you come to Jesus as a sinner, which, hello, you might have been a good sinner. You might not have been as bad as James or me, but... I'm sorry, James. I shouldn't pick on you like that. I'll say Jeff. Because <laughs> I remember Jeff. And I'm just telling you, the love of God, it doesn't matter how mean you were. I'm, you know, I've seen people who have been murderers come to God. I promise you, it's Jesus loves and he forgives and he heals not only, we're going to focus more on the body here just in a minute. But it sometimes what needs to be healed first is what's going on inside of somebody. You can't carry unforgiveness or grudges inside of you and be ready to meet Jesus. You can't carry grudges or bitterness inside of you and be used effectively by God. It takes healing. It takes healing of God. So let me just kind of wrap this up. Why don't you stand with me? From noon to three, there was three hours of darkness. The very sun hid its face. Creation it itself was ashamed of what humanity had done to its Savior. The earthquake, there was a temple down, uh, down the road that had a curtain or and the scripture tells us it was torn. It, to, the separation between God and man was taken away by this incredible sacrifice of Jesus Christ. 3 p.m. is the ninth hour. The scripture says Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You find that I believe in Psalms 22. It's a prophetic utterance that Jesus gave. 
My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because the Spirit of God had to leave that human body in order for it to die. Jesus then said, it is finished. And what he meant, there have been so many messages preached from that one phrase, it is finished. Listen, if you're sick in your body, what he meant was your healing has been paid for. That's what he, when he said it is finished. Hell knows it. They just don't want you to believe it. We're facing so many sicknesses in our world today. My Lord, I don't want to mention it just because I don't want to give the devil any glory. But I promise you, the price that Jesus paid was all about your healing, was all about your deliverance. So one more time, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you need a healing in your body. I used to think I had to lay hands on everybody. No, don't get me wrong, I, there's still a place for that. But you know what? One sweep of the hand of Jesus across this room right now, one move of the Spirit of God across this room right now, can, it can heal every sickness. Yes, yes, it can rebuke every disease by the power of the name of Jesus. I just ask you to start saying the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. We are your people, O Lord, the sheep of your pasture. It is you that hath made us and not we ourselves. You are our mighty God. We call upon your name now, Jesus. Let your Holy Spirit fill this very room. Every sickness, every disease, we bind and rebuke it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Why don't we raise our hands all across this building? If you're here tonight, I think it was fitting as my dad talked and spoke that it starts inward. And I... I even medicine today, doctors, even this week I was doing some study that many of the diseases that we carry are the result of inward grudges that we hold on to and anxiety and fear, can't sleep and stress and all of those things cause so many health issues. That's why it starts with the, the, my transgressions. Amen. My iniquity, he took my shame. How many people tonight can't even lift their heads because they're dealing with shame. Well, Jesus took that for you. You don't have to carry that. Amen. You don't have to carry that shame. You don't have to carry that guilt. He, that's the reason he went to the cross. It wasn't just so we could have communion and we could, you know, have a nice image that we all rally around. That's not why he didn't do it so we could have an image that we rally around. He did it so that you could be free. He did it so that when this life is over, you could pass into eternity with a confidence. Amen, that my, my, my eternity is already taken care of. I settled my eternity when I came to the foot of that cross. And I knelt before that cross. So I want us to bow our heads and we're going to pray right now. And all throughout this room, that guilt, there's guilt in this room and shame. Some of you right now are dealing with infirmities in your body. The doctors don't know what it is because you're not going to find it in your physical. It's in your spiritual can't sleep at night and there's stress and anxiety and worry because of a past that you're worried is going to catch up to you. But in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus right now. I plead the blood of that spotless lamb. Hallelujah. Just as that spotless lamb, the blood was applied to the doorpost and the mantle so that the children of Israel could walk out of Egypt, that God, the same blood was applied over the doorpost and the mantle of our lives so that we could walk out of Egypt so that we can leave the captivity of Pharaoh in sin. I'm not a slave to Pharaoh. I'm not a slave to Egypt. I'm not a slave to the sin. 
I'm not, a, I'm not a captive to what I did yesterday. I'm not a captive to those things. I don't have to live under the shame and the guilt. I don't have to live under the reproach of what I did. I don't have to live by under stress and anxiety and the worry of this world because my hope is not in this world. My hope is in Jesus Christ. And my hope is in, a, in an eternity that he has already purchased for me. In the name of Jesus, I pray right now, Lord, let anxiety right now be healed by the blood of Jesus. I pray, oh God, let that sleepless soul that is in this room tonight, let them find their healing at the foot of the cross. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I wonder, would somebody right now, you don't have to physically kneel, but in your spirit right now, would you surrender to Jesus Christ? Would you place yourself at the foot of that tree and let the blood of Jesus one more time sweep over you? Come on, because it still reaches to the highest mountain and it still flows to the lowest valley. Hallelujah. I pray right now over cancer, the blood of Jesus. I pray over diabetes, the blood of Jesus. Ever over broken bones, I pray the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Over internal sickness, I pray the blood of Jesus. Brother Rivera, I speak the blood of Jesus over your diabetes. In the name of Jesus, I know the doctors are saying that you're going to have to be in dialysis every day of your life for the rest of your life. But that's not what Jesus said 2,000 years ago when he went to that cross. When he allowed that, that, that whip to be applied to his back, he said, I purchased your healing in the name of Jesus. Come on, would you reach over and pray for your neighbor right now? Would you pray one for another? Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I, I plead the blood of Jesus. Let the blood flow right now. Let the blood flow. Flow from Calvary's mountain. Come on, sinner. Come on, child of God. You don't have to be ashamed. Lift up your head. Lift up your head, oh, ye gates. Lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, victorious in battle. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your blood that you shed. Thank you for the stripes that you bore. Thank you, God, that you took the chastisement of my peace upon you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the blood. Come on, can we thank him for the blood? Can we thank him? Come on, praise team. Come and help me sing it one more time. Let's sing about that blood before we leave here tonight. It's still flowing. Hallelujah. I think Hollywood has glamorized that symbol. And I'm not trying, I'm not, I'm not belittling the cross. But that cross, the Bible talks about the cursed is everyone who hangs upon that tree. That, that is actually, that symbol is actually a curse. If it weren't for the man who they placed on that tree, and when he was on that tree, the blood that was shed, that's. That's what makes that symbol powerful is the blood that was shed. Amen. The blood that was shed on that tree. That, that's what gives us hope. Amen. Amen. It's not, it's not two pieces of wood that have been assembled together that, that suspended the body of Jesus Christ. It's the blood that flowed down that tree. It's the blood of Jesus that gives us hope tonight. Amen. So we're going to sing this one more time before we take communion. I just I want you to declare victory in your life. I want you to declare victory over guilt. I want you to declare victory over shame. I want you to declare victory over sickness and disease as we sing it together right now in the name of Jesus. Sing for it reaches, for it reaches to the
time. Aren't you thankful? It's our hope for this community. It reaches. It's the hope for every sinner. It's the hope for those in the hospital tonight. Come on, it's the blood of Jesus. Oh, and it flows to the lowest valley. to a place where I get to thinking so much of myself that I think it was anything other than the blood that saved me. I don't, I don't ever want to get to the place that I think it was a certain dogma, that it was my denomination that I was a part of, an organization that I joined, an amount of money that I made, amen, a car that I drove, a house that I lived in, none of that saved me. Fact is, I wouldn't have any of that if it weren't for the blood. I don't ever want to forget it's the blood that saved me. Amen. One day when I was lost, tell your neighbor, Jesus died for you while you were a sinner. One day when I was lost, I was talking to somebody not long ago. They wondered how, how could Jesus love me knowing what I did? I said, you, you got it wrong. The, the cross was all about Jesus loving you because he, he did know what you did. And the, the cross wouldn't be of much value to any of us if it were only for the perfect people. Amen. All you perfect people, raise your hand right now. I got some of you. Hey. Some of you are just so ready to agree. You're like, hey, well, the pastor says raise your hand. No hands are up. Amen. Jesus didn't die for perfect people. He, he said the good physician doesn't come for those that are whole. It comes for those that are sick. Amen? Amen. So we're going to get ready to take communion tonight. I want to ask. Uh, we have, have some of our young ministers that are going to be helping us tonight to uh, distribute the communion. And we're going to read the passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you want to bring that up, beginning of verse 23 on the screen. If It's difficult to hold your Bible and the communion at the same time. I have an advantage. I've got a big desk here in front of me to place my Bible on. And it was so good. Thank you, Dad, for your ministry tonight. So, such a great message for the occasion. I was actually thinking that today. You know, we all call it Good Friday. But in so many ways, for Jesus, for all that he endured, it wasn't a Good Friday. But because of what he did, amen, it is a Good Friday for us. But, but what a... A long day that was and all that he endured. Amen. Just any one of those, the smallest of those, being betrayed by Judas. That's, that's enough to ruin a life right there. Have you ever been let down by somebody that you put your trust in? Amen. How many it took years for you to get over that? Maybe, maybe you're still trying to get over that. It's painful when you're betrayed by somebody that you trust. But that was just the tip of the iceberg. From there it was... You know, all the, the, other t the other 11, only one remained. The other 10 scattered. Peter, three times, said, I don't even know this man. Painful. Crown of thorns placed in his brow, the spitting in his face, his creation. The one that, I mean, can you imagine knowing that I have the power right now? This man that just spit in my face. All I've got to do is think the thought, and that, that joker's gone. There's a reason why, why we weren't entrusted with that kind of power. 
Because we'd be abusing that power probably. I would think at least once we would have abused that power. But he didn't. He, he, He allowed himself. He submitted himself to the cross. Why? For the joy that was set before him. What, what was that joy? It's everybody in this room right now, the body of Christ. It's every, Look around you right now. That You are the reason that Jesus endured Calvary. You and a great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us. You are the, the church is the reason that Jesus endured Calvary. Amen. He endured the cross. Amen. I was... Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.